Hello, and welcome to episode 116 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Pete DeMeyer. Hey, everybody. I'm going to say I'm welcome to the podcast. Isn't that what and welcome to the podcast. Welcome to podcast number eight. Are you numerologying again? Yeah. It is a lucky one for Melissa, who's also here, Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho. And Bill Foriska. Welcome back, everybody. He's uh, behatted today. I don't think I've ever worn a hat to the office. I don't think you have either. I just didn't feel like doing anything with my hair today, so I threw a hat on. (laughs) Because it takes so long when you're a guy and you have (laughs) short hair to do something with it. It's not long enough for man bun, and I'm not getting back to that level. Yeah. You're rocking the boat look today because not only do you have the hat on, you have the shades on top of the hat. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, they're still up there. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, today I don't have a title for this episode yet, so you're going to have to help me out. So, um, what we're going to be talking about is we recently did this, uh, what we do every year is a leisure, leisure. I have to translate that because I want to say leisure, but Americans. No, that's so what you're talking about. Leisure travel study where we uh, polled about 2,000 travelers about behaviors and habits and why they book the way they do, what makes, what influences their choices, a bunch of stuff. It's really good. We gave this out at High Tech a couple of weeks ago, but now we're getting ready to allow you, our faithful listeners that weren't at High Tech, to come and download this sucker. And you're going to be able to do that at fueltravel.com slash study when this is published. We'll also link to that from the show notes as well. But what we decided to do is... Rather than us just reading dryly through a, a study, we picked our favorite stats from from the study, and we're going to negotiate through. We've done this once before. We're going to negotiate through our top eight most shocking, important, surprising sort of stats. So we're going to go from eight to one. Now there was a lot of debate over how many we were going to do, whether we we're going to do ten or five. We ended up on eight because Melissa loves eight. It's also my lucky number. So and it's the number and of the episode. episode eight. And it is episode eight in numerology for sure. So the reason we're doing it this way, guys, partly is because I thought it would be more interesting. But I hadn't told you this. When we're at high tech, um, which, by the way, if you came by our booth at high tech and I wasn't there, I apologize. We had a handful of people that came by. I got to say hey to fans of the podcast, which was awesome. Really you know, gratifying to hear people actually listen but there was a few that i missed so if i missed you when when you came by i I apologize but thank you for stopping by there was a professor that stopped by and um, he said he makes all of his not make but he encourages all of his students to listen to the show as well which is really really neat so there are actually listeners out there guys it's not all in our heads which is great but while we were at high tech um friend of the show uh charlie from trip tease came by and he said, I've got to thank you. And I was like, what do you have to thank me for? What did I do? What did I do this time? And uh, what he said was he recently was at their direct booking summit. And he was uh, moderating a panel on direct bookings. And so he did it based on an episode of the podcast we've done in the past, which was the one back in 2018 where we did top 10 ways to drive direct bookings in 2018. And if you remember, we each picked our top 10 and negotiated through the list and said 10 to one and <clears throat> argued for why it was in that position. So he actually did that live for his panel and he said it was a really big hit. So this gets really inception here. So him 
telling me that we influenced him is now influenced me again to do that kind of format for this show. So, wow. It right. was one of our favorite episodes. It was. It was a good one. At least my favorite to, to record, <laughs> you know. I thought it, we were going to redo that this year. Yeah, right? we, we are. But we just did one on the top 10 ways to drive direct bookings, but it wasn't that style. It was more, here are some things okay. you can do. That was more like budgetary things you can spend money on. So I think right. we will do that episode again. Depending See on how, this how this Yeah, I'm sure it has. I hope it has. Right? A lot has changed in the in the last year or so. But I, I, I would imagine there's certain things on the list that won't have changed. Well, I I remember after that podcast there were a bunch of things i wanted to add to the list that i hadn't thought about before so yeah that's, uh, all right so let's let's yeah, let's do that one. definitely redo that one but for today we're just going to focus on the stats and, and pete i've said the word stat like a million times you've had a major opportunity to pull out your stat of the week jingle and you haven't done it yet I, it, are we ready to do we really want to go down that rabbit hole well before we do let's let's go down the rabbit hole of the news of ruse all right but you have to do the jingle. Please. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sit down and relax. <laughs> this the news of Ruse going to blow your mind with sweet, sweet news from the industry of the hotel world. I, I don't know what I just witnessed. <laughs> I really don't. I changed up the jingle a little bit. No. No, it's not a jingle. It's <laughs> yeah. just it's Barry White. A, that's not a jingle. B, B, that's not changed a little bit. <laughs> You know, last week, Jeremy did the newsroom jingle. I heard about that. And he that. did a phenomenal job. I thought that was so awesome. So unless you can buck your ideas up, young lad, All right. you might lose your role. All right, here we go. With hotel marketing that cannot lose, <laughs> now it's time for newsaroos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I lost it. We're already off the rails, and we're so like let's four minutes. Let's talk about the first newsaroo, shall we? Yeah, you just deafened everyone with your clap. I did. On, so. on audio, that really hurts. So the first one we have is from our friends at Skift, and they always put out really exciting stuff. So this one is titled, uh, Expedia to connect travelers with hotels when flights are delayed. So more or less what's happening is if you book your, your flight and your room together on Expedia, and your flight's delayed, assuming that the guest has their privacy settings within Expedia set properly, the Expedia team can notify the hotel that you're gonna be late. That's pretty That's darn cool. cool. Isn't that crazy? So let me tell you about our friend Cassie, our coworker here, who lives out in California, works remotely, who came in this weekend, was delayed by like, I don't know, 100 hours or something <laughs> ridiculous. And she ended up landing at 3.30 in the morning and she was staying with me. So that would have been great if Expedia could have notified me. They wouldn't because you're not a hotel. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, but I'm, I'm a B&B now <laughs> for Cassie. <laughs> this is funny. That would have been awesome. Yeah, so there was another article that came out this week from the CEO of Expedia, and he's, he was talking to investors about how, you know, the the growth potential for Expedia has, has pretty much reached its cap in terms of how efficient they can convert people, how efficient and, and frictionless their booking process is. So how for them to continue to grow and look appealing to Wall Street, they're going to have to get deeper into the value chain. They're going to have to get further down into the experience of the hotel stay. So I think this is one of many things that we're going to start seeing from Expedia as they try to just take over all aspects of hoteling. Hoteling? Is that a word? It is now. Other, it is now. other than actually the stay itself. 
that's cool. Yeah, but uh, anytime someone comes out and innovates on on something that's you know helpful or, or solves a potential friction point or a problem, I, I like that. You know, it's, it's similar to me to what Google did with uh, flights, where they'll alert you if your flight's mm-hmm. probably going to be delayed before the airlines even know it's going to be delayed. You know, little things like that are really helpful. Um, what's going to be interesting is are they going to give the opportunity for hotels here to communicate back to the consumer? And if so, how are they going to do that? It's probably going to be within an Expedia um, environment because the last thing Expedia wants to do is give con- consumer contact information directly mm-hmm. to the hotel. That's right. true. I didn't think about yeah. that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's early. I mean, this was just a, a relatively short article, but something really to look out for. I think it's going to be exciting if that's the case. And it does add value proposition to the package booking, you know, over the, you know, booking direct at a hotel and then booking your you know, flight or rental car or something else elsewhere. So yeah. it, it definitely gives Expedia a little bit of a leg up. Yeah, and I, I would say, you know, from a hotel perspective, maybe look at this as a, a potential opportunity as, you know, tech, as technology evolves and improves and you have access to more data. There was a couple of folks at High Tech this year that would, were providing, like, flight data to, uh, to hotels. And so you could have a screen at the front desk that showed flight information and stuff, which I didn't really see the value in that. But hotels having that data, you know, maybe that's a data point you could collect if you know that someone's coming from another country or from far away. Maybe you can ask them during the booking process for their flight information, their flight data. Or maybe it's after the booking, during the pre-arrival kind Mm of communications. You could ask them for that information so you can make sure their room's ready or whatever. And then if you're monitoring flight data in real time you can see hey this person's not going to get in before midnight i'm going to automatically send them a text and say don't worry we're going to protect your room because the worst thing that can happen is your flight's delayed you get there late and you find that the hotel's flipped your room and given it to someone else right you know which which happens so it kind of goes to what we talk about a lot on the show which is really trying to treat every guest as an individual and, and personalize the experience to them. That's what Expedia is trying to do here. And I think there's an opportunity for hotels to do the same. All seriousness, really, with this Cassie situation, she was supposed to land at 5 o'clock at night and didn't land until 3.30 a.m. Right. So if she was staying at a hotel, this really could have been Her an issue. room could have gone, for yeah. sure. And, and if you're in a destination where it's, you know, I mean, Myrtle Beach in the summer, there right. would be a struggle to find a decent room for a decent rate at that point. Right. And you, that's the last thing you want to do at 3.30 in the morning. Yes. Yeah. All right. What else do we have? I got one. Um, TripAdvisor finally did something that we suggested a long time ago, but um, sponsored placements is something they've been pushing for a while. Uh, it basically just moves the hotel to the top of the results list for a given area, um, and it's a click that you pay for. But people, hotels were paying for click they would end up on the hotel's TripAdvisor page and then they would lose the booking to an OTA so they were paying to send someone to an OTA who then they'd have to pay commission to so they changed up that program a bit um, where <clears throat> you will not pay for your sponsored placement click unless the user fund makes it all the way through to your booking engine which is huge this makes the program valuable again agreed and and, and I say that as somebody who has spent you know, client money and a lot of testing behind sponsored positions for hotels that rank 
below 50 in an area to try to bring them up to the front and you could never see any performance metrics there was no value whatsoever behind sponsored positions to where even though we were testing it and trying to figure out how to make that work it was a complete dead end because you never know one TripAdvisor didn't have the analytics to tell you if it worked at all and then two even if it did work all you know is you're driving them to yet another place where there's multiple hooks in the water Mm -hmm. at least this way it makes sense to start testing it again i would say yeah um cautiously just just, yeah a heads up on this if if someone clicks that sponsored placement they go to your TripAdvisor listing page you will automatically be shown in the first spot the official site will be shown in the first spot of the auction but when they make that click to your website, now you're paying for the cost per click mm-hmm. as well. So whatever you're bidding for that click, so you've now paid for a sponsored placement click, and you've paid for whatever you're paying to right. be which, to which participate you, I mean, in that auction. You've as used well. both those platforms, so yeah. that, that right. makes sense. But it is a little bit of di- double dipping, to a degree. But it's no more it, double dipping than it was before when you and then you were still paying potentially it. paying twenty percent commission for an OTA yeah. click. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the difference is is that. If you're the number three property destination, this isn't for you. It's you're spending money that you don't need to. If you are someone who's trying to crack the first page of TripAdvisor, there's a lot of value here because you can spend all the money you want trying to achieve success on their CPC program. But if no one's getting to your profile page, it's irrelevant. Right. right. Yeah. I, I mean, I still would urge caution on this. I mean, TripAdvisor's tinkering a lot, and, and, and a lot of times it's not necessarily to make it a better ROI for the hotel. It's to generate more revenue so they can mm-hmm. report better numbers to Wall Street. So, you know, the, the problem with with the program prior to this change has been that, the, like you said, there's no measurable value, right? Maybe there was some value, but it wasn't measurable. Because even if you track people through, because they would allow us to pass through a URL variable to say this person clicked on this this ad before they came through the meta search or whatever it was. We just weren't seeing any impact from it that was measurable. So until that's proven, until we can see that there is a positive ROI in this, I would say, sure, test it, but test it with, with caution. Because you don't have infinite budget. There are a lot of places you can spend money with a positive return that is measurable. So I would definitely urge you to, to maximize those first and then use discretionary income or that, you know, 10% of your budget that you kind of earmark for experimentation on this kind of stuff. But don't just set it and forget it and assume that it's going to work. No, definitely not. It's TripAdvisor. Nothing they've done in the last five years has really worked that well. It's, yeah, they've lost the plot, man. They've completely lost the plot. And, and from a consumer perspective, this is still not a good product. You know, and that that's the fundamental problem with TripAdvisor right now is they've gone away from what made them great, which was we're going to provide real value to a consumer. But by me being able to pay to game the system and be at the top and it not being clear to a consumer that this doesn't mean this is the best property in this destination. This could be the worst property in the destination. But because they're paying me money, I'm going to let them show at the top. That That's the worst thing you could ever do for a consumer. And that's exactly why people aren't using TripAdvisor as much as they used to. All right. All right. Is that all the news of ruse? <clears throat> that's all the news of ruse. So, Pete, I feel like now we're going to get into some stats, right? We are. And and so rather than you doing this 
sound effect a million times. Let's just do it once and get it. All right, here you go, everybody. Melissa needs to sing a stat, stat of the week song. It's the stat of the week. Stat of the week. Stat of the week. You got to do three. Oh, we've talked about this. It's blankety blank. All right, so we got to start this all over again. Why? What happened? Oh, because she didn't say it three times. All right, go ahead. It's stat of the week. Stat of the week. Stat of the week. There you go. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but for me, that is the best sound effect in all of podcasting. It pretty much is. <laughs> it's great. I think we have made dorkiest <laughs> list ever. We've been on that for yeah. some time. <laughs> all right, so we're going to go through eight through one of our list of best stats from the 2019 Leisure Travel Study. We'll start with eight. Here's the rules. Here's how it works. So if you didn't listen to it last time we did it. If I say my number eight stat is whatever it is, and you, one of you guys has it higher on your list, we're going to table it until it gets to whose position it is at, at the highest. So if, if my number eight is your number one, we'll wait till we get to people's number ones, and then we'll debate that number. Okay? So if I say a stat, you have it higher, you just say, all right, I got it higher, and that's it. So you don't tell me what position it's in or any of that stuff. Does that make sense? Yep. Got it. Okay. And you got to defend your position. Why is it where it is? So who wants to go first? Who, Phil, you want to sure. have a shot? What's your number eight? <clears throat> number eight was only 38% of people said that they pick their travel dates around price. I thought it would be a higher number than this because typically if you're planning a vacation, it's not not based on... Oh, oh, wait, does anybody else have that sorry. set higher? I, d- I don't have that set I don't. I don't. All right. All right. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I just I thought I thought the I thought it would be more than thirty eight percent of people because typically if I'm planning a vacation, uh, it's I, w- I want to get a good deal on it. Price is definitely important. Just thought more people would be be on board. With yeah, that. and if you look at where some of the others said it was the dates were influenced, a lot of it was um, either a specific event, work schedule, school schedule. Yeah, work schedule was a big one. Things on that like list. that, right? Because you think about it, right? The price. Price changes based on demand, and demand cha- changes based on stuff. So, for example, when kids are out of school, in in summer destinations, prices go up mm-hmm. because more families are traveling and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, it would surprise me it was as low as it was, but you know, it it kind of makes sense at the same time. It was also the biggest single slice of the it, pie. It was, yeah. it was. I just expected it to be more of the pie because yeah. typically when we talk about you know reasons people book or what drives booking price is almost always the the top factor. Right. And and to be clear, it still was it the is. top factor, but it wasn't the majority. Right. Yeah. So to build on that in, uh, on this if when when you get this report, it's on page 6. Special offer was 11.2%. And I don't know if that was I'm, higher I'm going I off script here. But it's crazy that Wait, did anyone have that stat on their list? No. Okay. All right. 11.2% of the people change or would affect their travel date because of a special offer. Yeah, that's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it definitely illustrates the the need for you to give flexibility in your search. Like uh, hotels that just let people pick a start date and end date or check in check out date, and that's it. You know, give them calendaring options, show them mm-hmm. availability and pricing broken down by day. Because people, you know, not everyone is rigid in terms of when they're going to stay. They are flexible. I mean, maybe it's, and they definitely want to stay the last couple of weeks of July, but the precise day I check in and check out could move a day or two. Um, I know when I'm flying 
back home to England, I don't really pick the dates until I figured out all the pricing and, and stuff like that. I'll look, use calendars to figure that out. But that's a good one. And Melissa, what's your number eight? My number eight pertains to smart speakers and that only 15% of people who own a smart speaker said they use them for shopping. I have that higher. You have that higher. Okay. Okay. So what's your number eight? My number eight is, I probably misunderstood. I wrote down the first stat I saw, which was 2019. <laughs> this is the 2019 <laughs> leisure travel study. Yeah. So I think that's important to know. Is, 2019 CE. Yeah. CE. I'm going with CE. Oh, you'll be in the politically yeah, correct. Yes, so I'm going with the BBC. Yeah. B BBC, we, Pete and I were debating <laughs> this earlier about the difference between AD and, and CE and how, you know, is it political correctness? Well, I, I, was, I did some research because I'm someone that when I find out something I don't know about, I like to go figure it out. So I was reading up on it this morning. And, um, you know, obviously the big difference is, is AD is – uh, basically the year of our Lord is what it's saying. So the argument against that is, well, not everyone sees Jesus as their Lord. So it does, it's not really fair to make force everyone. But so I really went down this rabbit hole this morning. And one of the things that I learned was the BBC has been using Common Era and before Common Era, Common Era since 2011 as their standard. But the, it actually predates that. So the earliest accounts of when people were using Common Era was actually in the 1700s. Wow. So anyone that says that this was a, a political correctness thing gone awry is completely wrong with that. So looking back at where BC and, and AD came from, it was actually hundreds of years after Jesus was born. And they're not even there's not even consensus about what year Jesus was actually born. They actually think he was born about between 4 and 6 AD, not 0 AD. Uh, so there's a, like a whole lot of things. And it was, it was actually a Roman emperor that came up with this numbering system to try to create a universal thing. So there's a lot of baggage with that. So before you jump to conclusions and, and criticize people for being politically correct, go research it because it's 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 a really interesting topic. So we'll stick with 2019 um, common era. Okay. But if you prefer, you can say AD and, yeah. and we don't have a problem okay. with that. Did anybody else have 2019 higher? I did not. All right. <laughs> Was that your real stat for number? It was number eight. <laughs> Pete had seven. We made him put eight in. I wish I would have jumped on that. Uh, too bad. Well, All right. What's your All number right. eight? So, what do so you my have number eight break? was a double whammy. So it was that thirty-five percent of people said that they would look at the hotel's Facebook page before booking, and and I compared that to only twelve percent that said they'd look at the Instagram page. I did not booking. have that any higher. I, I had, had that, that higher. higher. Oh, you did. Mm -hmm. All right. Pete's got like 700 stats higher than number eight because he's got both. Because number analysis. eight wasn't yeah. a stat. Yeah. Well, no, no. My next stat is there's 24 pages in this report. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the Dwight Schrute. Get out. Can <laughs> someone ask Jeremy to come in here and replace Pete? We're substituting no. mid, so. mid. All right. Is that number eight? So that was my number eight. So we're all I done with eight. All right. All right. So let's go to Pete with number seven. seven. All right. So for me, for number seven, and what I take from this is nobody really cares about smart speakers. 68.6% .6 of people do not want a smart speaker high. in their hotel. Way high. Okay. Did anyone else have that one? <coughs> well, I had that as number eight, so no, I didn't have it any so higher. Oh, yours lower. was a different smart speaker number. You, yours was the 12% of people only use it for shopping. Oh, it's the same. 
Smart was, speaker. It was the same smart speaker. Thing. It's yeah. not the same. There's a different number. No, because otherwise we'd be in smart speaker podcast. This is true. So this is just smart speaker. All right. Yeah. I want to talk about that later because okay. there's some interesting stuff about it. Okay. All right. Melissa, oh, what's your number seven? My number seven is talking about where in the process reviews are being used. And 37% said they use it throughout the booking process. Hmm. I, d I have review-related stats, <laughs> but I don't have that one. Although I'll throw out, I think. Um, no, keep going. Does anyone else have that higher? I do not. All right, good. So I think that that's important because we used to think that it was either in one of two places, either really at the beginning or after they've basically chosen a place to stay and they just want confirmation. But that's a lot of people saying they truly use it throughout the whole process. Yeah, so my number seven is that 79% of people will not book before reading a review. Does anyone have that higher? Yes. Okay. Um, wait, what number did you have that? 79%. But what number did you rank it? Seven. Oh, I have it higher. Okay. Because your, your review one was the one about looking throughout the process. Yes. All right. So we'll p put a pin in that one. Yes. And we'll talk about that in a sec. What's your number seven, Phil? Number seven was 86% of people 35 and younger are booking online compared to the 72% booking online overall. So I just... Um, and I think that was compared to phone. So we're going to see, I think we're going to see phone bookings continue to drop as younger people start booking more vacations. As old people die. Is that yes, what you're saying? Yeah. That was, and okay. you, when you say phone, you're referring to a physical, like, hello, yeah, my name talking is with their mouth yes. hole to yeah, someone so over the phone. The, the number of younger people booking online is much higher than people booking online as a whole. So I think we're going to, sure. we're going to see phones, phones kind of drop off and online bookings will continue to increase. Does anyone have that high? Nope. So, you know what's interesting, though? I mean, we have a lot of clients that are still like 50-50 yes. in terms of online versus uh, offline bookings. And, and, you know, some of them have older demographics for sure. But I really still feel like there's so much friction in the online booking process, especially on payment on mobile, that that is part of the problem right now. Well, not if they're using the fuel booking engine. Well, obviously, right? But I'm talking about <laughs> clients that aren't using the booking engine. But in, in general, I think the industry's done a, a poor job of uh, making it easy to book online. So that that might be where it's skewed. But yeah, certainly younger people. There was a lot of stats in this study overall where we broke down between under 35s and over 35s. And there's a clear difference in behavior. That was one of our overall takeaways from the study that, you know, whether you want to throw around the the scary millennial term or not the fact is younger people have grown up with technology that older people have had to adopt and they're, they're behaving differently they're, they're adopting just much more things comfortable early. with using it for sure across the board whether it's voice whether it's mobile apps whether it's online versus offline younger people have adopted it faster and continue to do that so yeah that's a good one so we've done the sevens because mine's melissa's higher one okay so let's go to sixes. Melissa, you want to start this one off? I'll start this one. So my number six is where do people start research? And 44%, according to our numbers, start with a search engine and only five with a site like TripAdvisor. I have that higher. Okay. We will table it. Happy, what's your six? My number six is 50.1% of users are inspired to travel by friends. That's what starts their travel planning process. That's a great stat. 
That I wish I'd put that on my list. Can I can I jump it on my list? You cannot. We've already locked I, our list down. I kind of have mine in the same spot, and it's talking similar. Well, let's talk about it together, Phil. All right. So what was your stat? Um, 31% of people book travel because they simply needed a vacation. I think that's in that same Yeah, that's area, the right? same that's question, so, but yeah, different response, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so when people rank their was, why they travel, that was num- number one was 50%. Discussions with family or friends. Number two was simply needed a vacation. That, that to me was a lot higher than I expected. Now, we did get a bunch of write-ins for wedding, family reunion, whatever. And I think next time we do this study, we need to put those as options um, to see if we have event-related yeah, things. Yeah, specific event, yeah. Um, causing travel. Because I thought that would be number one. I think those all fell under the other category, which ended up coming in at number three. Yeah on that list yeah. but I, I just expected that to be much higher because i typically don't travel because i simply need a vacation so i wasn't yeah. thinking that you know what didn't show up high did. on the list receiving an email from a hotel didn't inspire <laughs> people to travel no seeing a tv ad didn't inspire people to travel but we know that works <laughs> but it, you know it always comes down to word of mouth right your your mm-hmm. guests are your biggest advocate that's why yeah. we're huge fans of frito on this show <laughs> <laughs> Did they know that, that we yeah i told them, them yeah, okay, yeah no i'm kidding it's flip dot two we're big fans of that advocacy platform because it it takes that word of mouth and amplifies it across all your social channels so if you're not using flip dot two you sh- you absolutely should and if you do reach out to them then tell them we sent you but the word of mouth is still in the digital age is still the most important thing so i had a, i had a bit of a different take so the Thirty-one percent that said they travel simply because they need a vacation made me think. My little marketing brain: Are, are we testing that? Are, are people putting that in their ad copy in their email? Just need a vacation? Like I, I don't know if that's inspiring so many people to travel. Or are we are we using that as a message? That's good. That's a good point though, because yeah. a lot of times, as marketers, we're so focused on a specific offer. Mm-hmm. We're so focused on driving people now. You almost want to be more aspirational and say, you know, tax time is over, whatever it might be. Who it's was, time to get away. Who was it? <laughs> the, the commercial, want to get away? Who was it? was an OTA, wasn't was it? Expedia? Was it? Okay. I'm not sure. I don't know. They, they did it, so maybe that's <laughs> what caused some of this. They read our study. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. from, from the 50% of discussions with family and friends that drive the inspiration to travel, I think that's important is – it's not, I'm going to be going on a trip, where should I go? It's, I was not planning on traveling, but after talking with my family and friends, now I want. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so important to think about is from a social media perspective, from flip to perspective, whatever it might be, you want to make sure it's incredibly easy for your guest to tell that story, which is mm-hmm. obviously where, where Frito comes in. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to confuse some people. Yeah. Ricky's not going to be happy with that. That's okay. That's so. okay. As long as when we say Frito, we also say Flip too. Yeah. We're, we're okay. All right. Are we up to, did everybody say their number? I don't know. Mine, oh. number six. So mine was the average time spent planning a trip is 26 days. Higher. Okay. So let's go to number fives. You want to start, Phil? Sure. Um, so I didn't have a, I didn't write down the percentages per se, but the one thing that I found really surprising was how many people said they use a tablet to, you know, in some of their research process. And it, it was higher than mobile phones. I don't have that down here. At certain points in the, <coughs> so, so we broke it down between right. research, booking, during right. the stay, 
in after the stay. Sure, what but we broke, broke it down. Um, for research and booking, people are saying they use tablets more than mobile. And I mean, from from the data we see, that doesn't doesn't necessarily yeah. correlate. Yeah. So I don't know if people are just thinking they do, saying they do for some reason. But my takeaway from that was, are, are people are using them. Just make sure that your online experience is great on desktop, mobile, and tablet. For sure, yeah. And and people tend to behave more like desktop on tablets than they do on mobile. But yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Fully responsive, not just website, but also booking. Wait, does anyone have this higher? No. Okay, <laughs> website and booking engine is, is critically important. You know, to to be to clarify, this was a self-reporting study, so we asked people a bunch of questions. So. Obviously, there are some flaws in that kind of research. People may misinterpret questions, et cetera. So, um, but yeah, that that's higher than I would have expected. Way, sure. way higher, especially in, in the research process. Now, I had a couple of people disagree with me that you start your research on a mobile phone. I do, but apparently that's not as common. You're a millennial, though. Yeah. I guess. And a lot of people that answered this were older than 35, so... But I, people younger than me, Alyssa said that she did hers on uh, all of her research initially on desktop. And That's because yes. she doesn't work while she's in the office. She's just researching Let's throw her under the bus while she's not here to defend herself. I spent eight hours yesterday planning a vacation. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Admin time. <laughs> but yeah, tablet, tablets are important. As I think what was clear for me from that entire question, because we let people check all that apply, People are using multiple devices without a question. Yep. Right. So they're, they're definitely, they repeat a lot of people are using all three, which is great. I'm not that kind of person. I'll, I will probably use, I've, I've really stopped using tablet altogether. I don't really I use it often. Tablet Mine is um, dead. I, yeah, battery's dead. Yeah. But um, I definitely use mobile and desktop throughout, throughout the process. Oh yeah. You know, the other thing to note on that question was, you know, obviously during the stay, mm-hmm. mobile was super Oh, high. you see it completely flip-flop, right? Yeah. So their desktop is research booking, and then once they're there, it's all... F- I mean, it makes sense. Right. You, you're not going to... A lot you're of people don't even take their, their laptop, computer, yeah. desktop or laptop, on vacation with them. For sure. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. All right, who, who's got another one? Number six. Five. I think we're on five now. Oh, oh. man. Goodness. Who's got another number five? I've got uh, the 79% will not book without reading reviews at number five. Okay. So that's the one I had at number seven. Yes. So does anyone have that higher? No. All, All right. right. So I was not surprised that the number is so high. And we're talking about 80% of people will not book without reading it reviews. It dropped a little. But that's the shocking stat to me is that it was down 4% compared to last year. That really surprised me. statistically significant for it sure. It is. So, so what does that tell us? Like, are people becoming less um, trustworthy, trusting in of... reviews? Does it mean that they're more, you know, trusting of the information they see on the hotel website, so they don't need that third-party verification? I don't know. But For it, me, it's not trusting reviews personally. You don't trust reviews. Some of them. I mean, I, I don't know. I look at them all the time, so I have. I feel like I have a really good bullcrap meter yeah. to tell if somebody's. If somebody was paid to put that review there or not? Yeah. You felt like the average consumer does that? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm that special. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Phil, you're special. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, right? Okay, so it, it's going in a negative direction, but it's still eighty percent of people, right? So the vast majority of people 
that are going to try to shop your hotel are looking at reviews. So it's still like so important for you in, in your overall marketing mm-hmm. strategy. Well, I think the other thing to consider with reviews as well is your earlier stat where people look at reviews throughout the entire process. Yep. So it's not just, okay, I'm planning a vacation. I'm going to look at a review. It's I'm thinking about something. I look at a review. I'm booking something. I look at a review. I've booked something. Now I'm looking at a review to validate my decision. And make sure I don't get in trouble from my wife because I booked a bad I mean, I think that's a big part of it in, you know, whether the reviews are on TripAdvisor, whether on Google, whether they're somewhere else, Facebook, whatever it might be. You need to make sure that you've got that velocity of reviews so people do feel that sense of accuracy and that they're current as well. Yeah, it's comfort, yeah. That's a good one. All right, who else has not done the number five yet? Pete, have you done your number five? My number five is 66% of all planning is done within 90 days. So that stat's actually not in here, but I added up the stats from page three of the report, which is another stat, of between three three months and two in a day of travel, mm-hmm. is 66.2% of planning starts within three months, which means... If one, if you're looking for driving traffic long term, you're only going after a third of your market. And then number two, only 6.3% of people book within two weeks of, or start planning on within two weeks of their stay. To me, what that says is if you're soft for, we're recording this today, it's on the 28th. So July 4th weekend is next. You're probably not soft on July 4th, but if you were, it's really too late to go after it hard because you're only going after 6.3% of the market. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, those stats kind of shifted too. <coughs> we're definitely seeing the trend of people like they've all come down. People are definitely waiting longer to start their research and waiting longer to book. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. And keep in mind that this is, this is people that have booked a, stay of five nights or more in the last 12 months mm-hmm. right so i think <coughs> that's true it's not an overnight stay right and, and so people that heard that stay i'm like that makes no sense that's why because if you're if you're planning a true vacation multiple day five plus day vacation you're probably gonna start a little earlier than mm-hmm. if it's just hey let's get away for the weekend so right. but but regardless mm-hmm. of what type of stay it is people are waiting till longer yeah. to start in the book that's a good one. So my number um, five stat is that people on average look at 5.2 websites. I have that higher. Okay. So let's go to number four, shall we? Stuart, you're trying so hard to be able to talk about one of your stats and everyone keeps snaking you. Sorry, I talk enough on this shit. <coughs> All right, Phil, what's number four? Number four, I had um, between 40 to 50% of people are checking a hotel's Facebook page prior to booking. Yeah, that's the one I had lower. I have that higher. You have that higher. Okay. All right. So let's keep going. All right. Melissa. I've got that uh, take off of my number five is still on reviews. 95.1% of travelers believe hotel website reviews. Wait, that's your number four? That's my number four. That's also my number four. What? <laughs> Which equals eight. What? <laughs> oh, goodness. Pull, pull over if you're driving. This is too big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, we may as well just stop the podcast right there. 
We've peaked. This is it. It is, it is all downhill from here. No, my number one stat's really good. All right. All right. Does anyone else have that stat higher than number four? Nope. All right, so Melissa, seeing as you brought that one up, state But you your haven't claim. had to defend anything yet. Go for it. All right. Obviously, this is huge. To In my brain, if I was a consumer, I, I don't know. I feel like the stat is just unbelievably high that you're on the hotel's own website and yet they're believing what they're reading in terms of reviews. I think that's awesome. Right. And and to be clear, other sources like TripAdvisor, Yelp were slightly higher. Well, TripAdvisor was higher. Yelp was actually about the same, maybe a little bit lower, but they were all in the kind of same range, 92 to 97% range. So people just <coughs> believe reviews, which is surprising to me as a cynic who doesn't believe reviews and always looks for the fake angle. The vast majority of people do re- read reviews. We already established that, but they believe, they believe them. them. Like they trust it regardless of where it is. So, you know, reviews, knowing that 80% of people do read reviews, if you just put reviews on your website, you're potentially preventing a subset of people from leaving your website to go to Yelp or go to TripAdvisor exactly. or go somewhere else, right? You're keeping them in your ecosystem. Every hotel that's listening, put reviews on, on your, your website. website. It's a no-brainer. Even if they're curated reviews, <clears throat> you know? Even if it's more like testimonial stuff, do it. Because we know that along with price, along with location, along with amenities, quality of product is one of the biggest deciding factors of where people stay. So go ahead. You've already got the amenity and the price and the location information. Go put the the review well, information on your website. It's that social proof, right? So people are like, oh, well, you know, all these people had a good time. I mean, if they believe it, that's great. That's the stat. But it's <laughs> they may not go to TripAdvisor where, you know, if they're like me, they check all the one-star reviews first and see. I do the exact same thing. Yeah, I just got to <laughs> know. Is it a real problem or people right. just Because a lot of times angry. it'll be like, someone's one star because they're mad about something really specific to them and it's like i can dismiss that yeah. you know it's not a systemic problem at the property you're just a jerk or you just had bad exactly. luck exactly well, i go back to melissa's one point of 36.7 percent of people use reviews throughout the process mm-hmm. you're you're looking for an opportunity every opportunity you can to get in front of that guest with some type of testimonial or review i mean right they're on your homepage. we I'm sure we all have very similar number one stat, but people are on your website. Put reviews on there. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Reviews are really important. <coughs> and do it right. You know, I think there's a there's a risk with that of um, being disingenuous with the reviews and, and just putting either fake reviews or the only the extremely positive reviews. So if, if, you know, 70% of your reviews talk about how dirty the rooms are, but you pick the 30% that don't talk about that and that's all you put... And then people show up and they have expectations that you don't deliver on, that long term is gonna hurt you. You can also, you know, be strategic in how you select those too. Um, some people won't be as mean in their review when they're mm-hmm. talking about a dirty room. Right. Instead of saying this room is filthy, they said it wasn't the cleanest. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just there's a nicer way to put things and if it's something that you know you have a problem with and you wanna be honest Put the one that sounds a little better, but still yeah. gets the point. And across. then fix the problem. Yeah. Clean your Definitely rooms. Definitely fix the problem. Clean your bloody rooms, for sure. <laughs> Is that from the English perspective or specific? <laughs> no, if you have blood <laughs> in your rooms, <laughs> clean them, for sure. Pete, what's your number four? My number four is you only have 26 days to close the sale. 
Anybody got that one? I had it lower because you, you jumped me. Yeah. Okay. Now we can talk about it. So, you know, kind of building off of what was my number five is 66% of people are planning within 90 days. When people start planning, they're booking in less than a month. So that window is very tight in terms of they're looking at five sites. They're talking to their friends. They're looking at social media. You need to make sure that you have that funnel. So in that 26 days, you can move them from I don't know about your property to I know about your property to I love it and I booked it. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think it's really important. You know you've got essentially a month or just under a month to to close the deal, right? And they are shopping around during that period. They may even pick up the phone and call you. So you need to do everything you can to build a relationship, nurture that relationship, and close that deal. So collecting email addresses, collecting phone numbers, being aggressive in a nice way by sending them shopping cart abandonment emails or um, offer emails. One of the things that a lot of people don't do and they really should get in the habit of, we've said this on the show before, is if someone calls you and inquires about your property and says, hey, I need to check with my spouse or whatever or I need to think about it, call them back. Ask them if it's okay to call them back because you've got this this finite time, time period where they're going to make a decision. And you can influence that decision the more you have contact with them, the more you build that relationship. So that this is why CRM, this customer relationship management, is so important. Got to be doing it. And remarketing. Yeah, I mean, remarketing that's, through that's ads a, and things huge, like that. Staying top of mind. If someone's found your website before, they better be on your remarketing list and, and serve ads back to them, especially if they're going to search, you know, back and search like a non-brand type term. Yeah. Um, after they've already seen you, get back in front of them with remarketing lists. Are you able to control how far out you're remarketing a guest yes. for? Yes. <clears throat> like, can you say after it's, 40 days, I do not typically want. default to 30 days. Okay. Change it to 26 and you're good. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tip of the day. <laughs> well, keep in mind, this is yeah. an average, right? Right. So if it's a bell curve, you're going to have people on either extreme. Mm -hmm. So there's people that make a decision in mm -hmm. a day. There's people that make a decision in six months. But generally speaking, you, you've got 30 days-ish to, to get someone convinced to book with you. They're taking their time. All right. Has everyone done their fours? Yes. Um, yeah, somebody had my four higher. All right, number three. Three, 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 Pete. 81% want to check in with them an app. With the mobile app. Wow. <coughs> I'm about to blow your mind. That is was that your my number, number three? three. My number three is about all those mobile stats. All right. Well, did you? Well, I, I, have I, that I, I just defended my number 26 days. So who else will do the? I'll, I'll do this one since I haven't gotten to defend <coughs> any really. Um, and all the, all the stats, right? So you don't have this high, right? Nope. Okay. So we asked a bunch of questions about mobile apps. And, and full disclosure... Part of that was self-serving because we have a mobile app product, awesome. which is cr crushing it right now. Um, so we asked a bunch of questions about would people be interested? And, and we always get a lot of people when we start introducing our mobile app to them, the conversation goes, well, I'm an independent hotel. Why would someone download my app? Well, this is why. Because it's really convenient and because everyone mm -hmm. does everything via apps. So 81% was the highest number. So 81% of under 35 said that they would check in with a mobile app if they could. That's really convenient. But across the board, regardless of age, most of it was two-thirds. Like it was in the 66-ish percent range for um, not only checking in, opening their door, 
uh, paying for late checkout, buying additional services across the board, the vast majority of people, two thirds of people of all age groups said they want to use a mobile app. The demand is there for mobile apps. Can I just read some of the things? Actually, may I read? Because I can read. Yeah. Some of the stats about under 35-year-olds and how they want to interact with hotel apps. You you may, because I think that was Melissa's point. Oh, yes. I'll do it then. No, you can read. Okay. 74.7% want to be able to unlock their room with an app. 74. 7. 77% would purchase a late checkout if they could. So think about that. That three quarters of your guests are willing to give you money to stay an extra hour. And that's the best be. scenario, right? When, when you can say, guest is going to pay me more money. I'm going to get more revenue per guest. Mm-hmm. And they're happier doing it. Right? Yeah. It improves their experience for me doing it. That's okay. win-win. Yeah. 84% are willing to purchase services from an app. 81% we just talked about want to check in. And 80% are okay or want to book within that mobile app. Yeah. As an independent, book. you can elip- take them out of the web funnel, which has Expedia and TripAdvisor and all your competition into your own media asset of your app to make that booking. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. And this, this is explicit this one because well, that's important. Dude, we can't drop the S word. Super important. Um yes. So it was in the seventies to eighty <coughs> percent for under thirty fives. But again, it was in the sixties, mid sixties for all age groups. Yeah. So everyone wants mobile app functionality. Everyone. everyone. Yeah. It's really powerful. It's convenient. Yeah. For, for the user. I think that's why, I personally, I want it. I want it for uh, an express check-in. I want it to open my door. I, I would definitely be using it if they're sending me events, offers, whatever, during my stay. I would I would 100% use right. a mobile app. Think about this. How, how you use your phone. Like, How much time do you spend on a browser? I do not want to look at my screen time. Versus apps, right? The stats I've seen is in the 90-plus percent range of people... Like how often do you go to Facebook on your mobile browser? You don't. Never. You use the app, right? Everything you do is how, how often do you go to your bank website? You, you don't. don't. No. You go to the app. That's how people use their mobile phones. So you not having an app is, you know, potentially sending people to your competition that does have an app. And it's not that expensive anymore. Yes, the flags already have them and they've spent millions of dollars on R&D. But you can reach out to folks like Fuel who have a custom mobile app solution for independent hotels and you can get it for a couple of hundred dollars a month and you have all this functionality for your hotel. So if you're interested in mobile apps, <laughs> this is like a shameless plug time. Yeah, shameless plug. Reach out to Fuel, info at fueltravel.com because we have a great product. That's a really self-serving stat, but it's also a, a, a legitimate re- valid stat because yep. overwhelmingly people spoke on this answer uh, my little spin on this is just that of all the questions we asked this was the section that did have the biggest difference between the average and our under 35s every one of these points was 15 to 20 points difference that's a big difference it is yeah younger people technology like we said earlier yeah all right, who else has a number four? Do you have a number four? 
This is number three. Who else has the number three? My number three was <clears throat> kind of out of place, but whatever. We're going for it anyway. <laughs> He's like, oh, man, I should put this low. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, it was just a surprising stat to me, uh, just based on how I book travel. Um, I was really surprised to see that a lot of people's decision-making process started on OTAs and not TripAdvisor. I typically go to TripAdvisor first to see, to read reviews, to see what prices are like in the area. I don't know. That's just my my preference. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot more people were going to OTAs. Um, I think it was 18.3% go to OTAs uh, to start their process, and only 49 went to TripAdvisor. And maybe yeah. this goes back to your point earlier when we talked about it's dropped a lot if you look over we've been doing this study since 2015 and it TripAdvisor's dropped a lot in that time for sure but you know it's interesting otas was i think was the was it number one or number two behind search engine Mm -hmm. google um it's very fragmented like there's not not one search engines like 43 percent or something but 44 it's my next one okay then i won't say too much about it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> any other comments on that one now let's jump into it so what's your number two <laughs> so 44 percent of our respondents said they start their journey on a search engine and coming from the marketing team this is very important to me uh this is why you need seo this is why you need to be doing ppc this if, is why you need to be on google it, hotel ads. exactly this is why you need to be optimizing your google my business page People will their their very first searches are are coming right in through the search engine. It's it. Let's be honest. It's Google. Yeah. Um, Microsoft is you know fifteen percent compared to eighty five something like that. Whatever. What about AOL? Ah, Ask Jeeves. Duck Duck Go. Lycos. Excite. Yeah. Sure. All of exist? those follow Google's leads. So if yep. you're if you're optimizing for Google, you're doing what you should for the others. Um, but that's not to say you shouldn't pay to be, you should be paying to be on Microsoft ads as well. Yeah. Formerly known as Bing ads, but <laughs> we're calling Microsoft's it Microsoft a better brand apparently. Um, yeah, I, this, this stat was honestly, honestly a little lower than I thought it was going to be 44% starting on a search engine. I, to me, this would have been in the eighties if I had to guess. Um, but people were starting their starting their process there and it's, extremely important in our previous episode of the stat of the stat of the stats that was even it was like way lower it was like 20 percent or something we we argued about that a couple episodes ago mm-hmm. or came up in some other yeah. study is way lower but it's, it's even though it's the highest it wasn't the majority right and and there are a lot of different starting points you know airbnb showed up pretty significantly mm-hmm. vrbo homeaway like there was a lot on that you know obviously booking and expedia and the hotel website was a big write-in for that. Other had a high percentage, and that was mostly website, but there was other stuff as well. So people behave differently. I mean, but you can't dismiss Google because it is 43% of people. You have to maximize your footprint on, on Google, no question. Do all the things that they tell you to do. And yes, you have to pay for most of them today, but we still see what, 30% of traffic is coming for, through Google Organic for most hotel websites. It's a lot. So it's still a yep. third of your potential yep. business. So, Pete, what's your number two? My number two is 51.4% look at your Facebook profile when they're booking for yeah, under 35. Yeah. Now, for over 35, 
it is 39.3%. Yeah. Still not insignificant. <clears throat> it, it's, I mean, from a under 35 perspective, it's the majority of your guests are looking at your Facebook yeah. page beforehand. Yeah, it, this is my number. I think I had this at four, but it's super important. Yeah, and yeah. I had the, that caveated with the Instagram, which was a lot lower, right? Mm-hmm. It was significantly fewer people. It's 28.3% right. look at Instagram. Which is weird, right? Because it, oh, sorry, it is, right? But it's still, it's half, as less than half the, the people, right? So in, what I, the reason I had this on my list and had them together is a lot of people at saying, hey, millennials especially are jumping from Facebook to Instagram. And that's where you need to focus. You need to have a Instagram fo- um, strategy, which you probably do, but not at the expense of your Facebook strategy because right. it's still the number one most looked at social channel. Yeah. So so don't, whether you're, you're chasing other channels, Snapchat, whatever, don't lose sight of the fact the majority of people are still, they still care about Facebook. What, what this, this stat here screamed to me was, what are you doing on your Facebook channel? Are you driving people to your website to make a direct booking? Are you, you know, obviously you're trying to entice them to stay with you, but how easy are you making it for them to get from Facebook to your website to book? Right. I think a lot of people get it backwards, right? They're, they're focused on their website and driving people to their Facebook page, which is the silly. stupidest That's thing you silly. could do, right? Unless, you, unless you're running dynamic travel ads where they can book there yeah but even yeah, it's so it's like you have them in your mousetrap that you control that and there's no noise there's yeah. no distractions facebook's sole purpose is to keep you on facebook so everything they serve to someone is to try to keep get them down this rabbit hole of interest right so why would you why would you expose your consumer to all that noise when you have them on your website so stop putting your facebook feed or your facebook logo at the top of your website put mm-hmm. it at the bottom now, if someone finds it, they find it. It's fine. But you should. You're exactly right. Your Facebook page should be all about putting yourself in the best possible light and driving people yeah, to How the are you getting them through to the booking engine from your Facebook? Agreed. All right. All right. What's your number two, Melissa? My number two is referring to the number of sites consumers are looking at in the booking process. 5.2. Yes. 42% said between three and five. And this is so much lower than what Google says. So I really thought about this for a while. And, and it's self-reporting. It's self-reporting. So this, is, so this is where I sort of overlapped stats a little bit because 62% of people say that they have looked at some third-party site in this booking process. So if most people are looking at a third-party site and we also know that they're looking at the hotel website and they're really only looking at one other website like if you're in the booking process i would think you're looking at multiple hotel websites so this seems low to me it it, yeah and it's it's been kind of consistently around that number every year we've done it so i don't really understand why it's as low as it is the way i've always read it is people tend to have one one i don't know if they're including google when they say that right sure but two let's assume they're not so, so then they're maybe looking at one of TripAdvisor or Expedia or sure. Booking or something, right? So then they're only really diving deep into three or four hotel, individual hotel websites. Yeah. That, you know, that, that's interesting to me because that means you have a really good shot at that consumer right. if you're in their decision set. So to me, that says you have to be in their decision set. You have to be 
fully exposed on every channel you can. You have to be on the OTAs. You have to be on TripAdvisor. And you have to be on Google really prominently because people aren't going to look and compare you to 10 webs- ten different hotels. Right. They're going to discern two or three that meet their criteria and then scrutinize them. So you have a good shot if you do a better job than your competition. It's a necessary evil. Yeah. You got to play the game. For sure. What's number two, Phil? I said mine. Mine was the uh, starting on the search engines. That's right. So my number two was the 68.5% of people do not want a smart speaker in their hotel room, which I think one of you had this level, right? <coughs> I had this I had number, number seven. Eight. Yeah. So this is this is really interesting because I have been the biggest proponent of voice yeah, yeah. for a long time. Term. And, and uh, you know, admittedly, I'm biased, right? But I think th- this is clarity to me a little bit because I've always been like, eh, screw it. What harm does it do? Well, this is the harm it does. Two-thirds of people do not want it in. And when we were in uh, high tech, one of our um, partners with Blue Shift, our CRM product, stayed at, I think it was a signature hotel that has it in the room, and it's turned off by default. The red button is pressed, so it's not listening. He unplugged it. The first thing he did was unplug it. And he's, Mm. you know, he's not an old guy. He's in his 30s. So people just, that's a line to cross the alien, potentially alienates people. Here's the weird part, right? So the hotel has it in there. Say they have a sign up that shows, oh, here's a couple of the functions this thing could help you do. People don't trust that. And the hotel isn't even collecting the data of what you're asking the machine, are they? I mean, necessarily. I I don't, I I doubt it. They're not actively listening to entire conversations. It's a hotel. It's not the CIA. So People are just freaked out by them, and that's just very don't clear. do it at all. Yeah. It's it, it's it, not necessary at this point. Yeah. I think it will come to a time. I really do believe that as voice as a interface to computers becomes more prominent, it, it's inevitable that everything's going to be controlled by voice. But I think at this point, given that only thirty something percent of people have an Alexa or Google Home in their voice in their Google Home in their house, which is one of the other questions we asked, and, and given the fact that people don't want it in the hotel room and given the fact that it it doesn't really solve any problems it creates friction because you don't know what the commands are right mm-hmm. when you're at home you you control that environment you know what the lights are called and all that stuff just don't do it yet and and Until this is someone f- comes up to you and says i really wish you guys had a right. alexa and the don't cause the extra drama right oh, Be- i mean because it- even for the 30 percent of people that didn't say they don't want it that doesn't mean they necessarily need it or would value it right so the majority of people don't want it don't do it yet and that's a 180 for me if you'd listened to 20 episodes ago when i was talking about voice you i was like i was all it. in because it makes data has changed my mind like it, when you're talking about the convenience of the thing it, all of the things that you could make it do like you said Turn on the lights, turn on the TV, switch the channel. Yeah. Um, what's the weather today? The promise uh, is a lot, right? It, it can do a lot. But, but if people don't want it, what what's the point? I will go on my philosophy of all these things. You're talking about a very confined hotel room versus your home. How hard is it to flip the light switch or turn your TV on with the remote mm-hmm. that is literally sitting on your bed that is four feet from your bed? I, I will say this. When I was at a hotel, it wasn't the last time. I think it was when I was at the uh, Opma conference, maybe, 
I caught myself trying to tell Alexa to turn on the lights a couple of times. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but but I'm a super user, right? I have a ton of Alexa devices in my home. Everything is controlled. I control my TV, my lights, yeah. my, everything. So, uh, yeah. Once more people become like you, this will make sense. Right. But for now, but right now no, stop it. Don't do it. It's the, the problems it creates far outweigh the convenience it provides to a so, small group of people. So let me ask you something, and not to put you on the spot on this one, but as someone who has uh, vision issues, right? would you want that as part of an ADA-type package? I don't know, because it, you know the reason, yes, I'm visually impaired, right? Which is one of the reasons why I like voice, because right. it, it's quicker for me to do things sometimes with a voice than like typing on a screen Mm -hmm. but but i don't think that the utility of turning on a light or turning on a tv isn't really impacted by my vision challenges so but no but your your behavior is my but my behavior was to the point that i started using it for the other stuff right i started using my phone first for texts and and things and then extended to lights and Mm -hmm. thermostats and tv but you know, I, you know, and my vision isn't the worst. Right? I'm not blind, so it's not like I can go into a hotel and not see where the remote is. Right, right. Well, my, you know my, my question is more of, or my, you know, my hypothesis is not everybody wants one in their room. Mm-hmm. But should you offer that as an option if it's a guest who is used to that? Maybe. So, I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't, don't think you could make the ADA compliance. <clears throat> kind of argument like like you would well, like no, a, a from walking a hotel shower or something like from a hotelier's perspective maybe it's a amenity oh, right maybe you know, maybe it's if, an if add-on comfortable with it yeah and you know would you like to have an alexa in your room if i saw that i would probably during the yes. checkout process you can say yeah. it's no charge do i want it do i not want it and then all of a sudden yeah. it becomes those people on this report yeah. that say they would like it yeah. can get it yeah. And you don't have to buy freaking 500 of them to put in every one right. of your rooms mm-hmm. i mean logistically that's a challenge right because then you you've got to have someone that's responsible for making sure it's there because the last thing you want to do is ask someone and then not deliver on the promise right so i think it's 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 no different than any other uh personalized creature comfort that you offer for but yeah Yeah. i mean maybe to me though i mean what i don't i don't know how to program them are if you did that for one room to say turn on the lights tv whatever do you need to then have them all follow the same the whole hotel yeah, like, what, what happened <laughs> yeah it, it, there's a lot of a lot of questions and challenges related to this i think i think we're in the infancy of voice i think you know when we ask these same questions next year we'll probably see more people have them in their homes but i don't think we'll see this number of how many people don't want them in a hotel room drop particularly because this is one stat where it didn't differ that much between under 35s and over 35s. But certainly under 35s were more comfortable with it, but it wasn't like the majority of people wanted it. So, interesting. Uh, did we do everyone's twos? Yep. Yep. I think we all have the same. Do we, we all have the same number, say one? number one at the same time, starting with the percentage? So, my, yes. my, my number one was the 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. It's the first stat Great of the stat. report. Yeah. Go ahead, Pete. What's the number? No, say so all girls say it together. Ready? 86.7% of people yeah. visited the hotel website. We were just saying the number, I thought. Yeah. You, you went oh, and yeah. sorry. did the whole thing. You said starting with. Yeah. All right, so th- say the whole thing again so people get it. Go ahead. 
I was asking you, Melissa. Oh, well, I rounded. 87% of people visited the hotel website. So, to be precise, it was 86.7% of, of people visited the hotel website. Before booking. Before they booked. Regardless of <coughs> how they booked. So, whether they booked on an OTA, whether they booked over the phone, whether they booked through a travel agent. Regardless, 87% of people this is honestly way higher than I thought. The hotel website. I thought it's way higher. This blew my mind. When I was originally looking through the data, this is the one that I sent to everyone and said, yeah. this might be the stat of this whole thing before I even got through the whole, all the results. That's this this the benchmarks the maximum amount of third-party bookings you should have is 13.7%. Yes. Yeah. That's that the was, way I see it. That was exactly it. what <laughs> I was thinking too. I was, I was like, like, okay, so have... there's your number. So if when you look at your bookings – if it's 86.7% direct bookings, then you're good. Well, but that doesn't even take into account <coughs> phone pe- people that don't go on the, web, on the web, right? There's still a percentage of people that don't go online. They just pick up a phone and call. Right. That's a good point. You know, so it should actually, your, your OTA reliance should be lower than that, than 13%. Because mm-hmm. you're going to have a percentage, a percentage of people that are book, booking over the phone. So, so here's kind of what this one said to me. Evaluate your own online experience go through you know if if you have to watch over someone's shoulder have someone go go to your website and complete a booking see where the hiccups may be see where people start to get uncomfortable or what could drive them back to an ota what's wrong with your experience if you don't have 13 percent ota reliance what, what friction is there where are you creating hurdles where are you not answering the questions where where is are you causing frustration in the booking process and, and, that and the OTAs aren't? If it's not if it's not price, I mean, some people we we know hit checkout pages to see what the final price is, sure. right? And then they get a little freaked out, and then they back out to see if they can find something cheaper. So as long as your price is on par with what you're providing to OTAs, why there, are there they not booking? There should be no reason you? they book. You know, it, it's going to come down to trust. Um, of the OTA versus you, it's fear of something. It's going to come down to reassurance. It's, you know, all these emotions that people feel during that research and booking. You have to figure out how to eliminate any negativity and create only positivity and push them hard through the booking funnel. We've talked about that a ton on the show, but I feel like seeing this stat makes me want to look at it again in another episode and really focus on. Again, what Booking.com is doing well, what folks like Amazon are doing really well, mm-hmm. and why they're so effective at sucking all of my money out of my bank account. They just do a really, really they good job. They make it so easy, and right. it should be that easy to book a hotel room. It, right. If you're going to buy a T-shirt on Amazon, it's not hard. Booking a hotel room should not be hard. Right. You shouldn't have to click anticipate. nine times through your booking engine right. to get You can anticipate through. the consumer's thought process. You can anticipate their questions, their um, resistance is that everything that you know a guest is going to go through on their emotional journey of booking, you can anticipate and head off. And, and content is one of those ways. You know, we talked about a couple of these earlier in the show, like putting reviews on your website. Mm-hmm. That's one way, one of many dozens of ways that you can ensure that that 87% of people that do come to your website don't leave your website to book somewhere else and make sure that they're getting to your website we, we know that they you know start on a search engine we talked about that earlier so if they're starting on a search engine be present on search engines in terms of pay-per-click ads get them to your website make them part of that 86 percent and then drive them through to, the, right. to a booking and then look at offering incentives reasons that people what's the value in them booking with you versus the otas or 
the competition. No resort is, fees? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get rid of resort fees is number one on that list. But, yeah, this is a great stat, especially for someone like us, you know, Fuel, who has a, a frictionless mobile-first booking engine that helps improve conversion rate on the website. Did you just keyword stuff that statement? I did. It's om- it was an omni-stuff <laughs> keyword phrase. But, you know, that, that's what we're in business to do, right, is to maximize that mousetrap of your hotel website. And knowing that 87% of people are coming through that mousetrap gives me so much encouragement that what we're doing is right and, and is going to really help the industry. It's really cool. You know what's I'm glad really, we all agreed on You that. know what's really interesting about this, this stat? It wasn't in the original survey. So we surveyed about 2,000 people, but what I was doing when we first sent out the survey – about 150 people had asked, answered the questions. And one of the questions, which was the, where do you begin the journey of these third-party websites? So I was trying to figure out, assuming that some people started on the hotel website, but I really wanted to understand the third-party websites. We saw such a high percentage of people in that question right in other and right in the hotel website that I was like, hmm. I wonder how many people actually do visit the hotel website. So on the fly, as as we'd sent out the original survey inquiries, I updated the survey so that future people that came would, would answer that. So about 1,800 of the 2,000 people saw this question and answered it. And I'm glad I put it in there because that's, awesome. that's a crazy mm-hmm. stat. Crazy stat. Who'd have thunk that? Stat of the week? Do the jingle. I already shut it down. Oh, man. Perfect. There you go. So this was a long one, but that's yeah. okay because our last three episodes were pretty short. We did three in a row that were under an hour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This one's not. So there's one more thing that we need to talk about in this episode. What's that, Pete? And this one is important. It comes from the land of fire and ice. Daniel from Iceland. He had some feedback for us. I thought you were going to do a Game of Thrones thing. No, it wasn't. No, Daniel said. I'm a big fan of your podcast. Thank you for the fun and informative show. I, op- I operate a small hotel in the northern part of Iceland and, and very interested in your services. And he goes on to ask if we can contact him. So Yes, really Daniel. Nice. Yes. Thanks for listening, Daniel, all so. the way from Iceland. That reminds me of that. Do you remember that video that went viral when the volcanoes were going on in Iceland and people were getting mm-hmm. frustrated because all the, all the flights in Europe were canceled? It's the fire part of the fire and ice. Ah, I get it. Yeah. Um, Finally, your joke makes sense to me. It's not a joke. It's the nickname of Iceland as Land of Fire and Ice. Is it really? Yeah. I have not heard that before. See, I think of Mighty Ducks every time when they said uh, <laughs> something like Greenland is full of ice, but Iceland Iceland's is very nice. Green. Oh. Something like yeah. that. Oh. I don't know what anyone's talking about right now. All I remember is there was a Scottish guy on a video that was like, there was an interview going on talking about the volcano, and this Scottish guy came up behind the reporter and was like, Iceland, we hate Iceland. It was really funny. And it, like everyone shared that video. It was really funny. But we don't hate Iceland. We love yeah. Iceland and we love Daniel for listening. And if you'd like to help out the show, you can do so by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you just want to tell us hey and tell us that you listen and you exist and us acknowledge your existence, you can email us info at Fuel Travel. You can get the study that we talked about today at fueltravel.com slash study and you can get the show notes to today's show and see all our top 10, top 8 lists. Sorry. And if you want to send us your own top 8 list, we'll check those out. Yeah, it would be awesome. Read the study and then send us a top 8 list. That would be really good. See if we missed any that you think are more important. Oh, guys, you are just killing it right now. That's awesome. Good ideas. 
So you can get the show notes at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on the hundred episode 116. Pete. Yes. If they want to learn more about you and your fascination with the year 2019, where can they do that? They can find me on Twitter at PDMAO, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. Melissa. I'm on Twitter at M-A-Kavanagh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. Wow. Good job. Some, some days it's just hard. I feel like your name must change because sometimes you struggle and sometimes some, you don't. Uh, yeah. Is there a you? Is there not? I don't know. And Phil. You can find me on Twitter at P Fariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. You can find me at Stuart Butler on Twitter. You can also find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Again, if you don't like the Twitters, then just send us a good old-fashioned email, info at fueltravel.com. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. That was wow. a fun episode. I always like those yeah. episodes a lot.